Hey guys, welcome to Rihanna's Lens, where I interact with you about the components in the STEM field and introduce you to fascinating people who passionately inhabit the scientific and technical frontiers of our society. My name is Rihanna Malhotra and I'm absolutely elated to share this podcast with all of you. On this episode, I'm joined by a guest who's the only Hungarian female engineering student at Virginia Tech. She's an international student from Budapest studying aerospace engineering. She's also a member and mentor of the New York Academy of Sciences. She runs her own blog. One of her greatest passions is representing females in the STEM fields and promoting science to younger audiences. She's determined to show that you can be something you have never even seen before, even if you're wearing heels. I'm so glad to welcome and introduce Etsy Varga. Thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to begin our discussion. Oh yeah, I'm happy to be here. Aerospace engineering is one field that will never fail to amaze me. So uh, let me begin by asking you, what exactly is it that motivated you to get into this field? So it's a little difficult to answer. I often mention that aerospace engineering doesn't even actually have a translation in Hungarian. So whenever I have to like kind of explain what I study or what I'm trying to become, it's a little, um, I guess, funny. Um, you can kind of translate it to space engineering, but aerospace engineering is obviously a lot more than just that. So. It's definitely a little funny and um, you can definitely tell that like I've never seen anybody like this growing up. It's not something I could have studied here. Um, I've never met an aerospace engineer until going to college. So it definitely wasn't like a predetermined path, I guess. Um, until I was about 15, 16, um, I wanted to be a writer. So even the whole science path wasn't really mm, gonna be my thing. Um, not only was I not really into science, I genuinely hated my science classes. So I was actually one of those kids where, you know, if would have like physics or chemistry, I would be definitely disappointed. I would be nervous. I wasn't gonna be happy that we would have to go to that class, uh, but obviously a lot has changed. Um, so I was more into literature and things like that um, until I went to code. So there's this um, nonprofit organization called school and I was quite bored technically which is the only reason I signed up for that workshop and I went and that was on a Tuesday and then by the time it was Thursday I written my first game it was really really bad version of a wallpong game but I guess you can kind of see that it, it um, really determined a path and it was kind of meant to be in that sense. Um, I still see engineering and all that sort of stuff as a form of art. It's just more of creating with technology, which I think is really, really amazing. Um, the whole space thing came a lot later. Um, so a few years after that, I was already pretty involved with like coding and I was teaching kids how to code and even adults actually, which was a little interesting at that age. But um, I was doing things like that. And I thought I was going to be, you know, maybe a software engineer or, or computer scientist or something like that. So I didn't really think about all that sort of stuff. And then I realized that, you know, that would mostly entail just sitting in front of a computer all day. And I realized that I would probably go insane doing that. I really like doing the hands-on stuff that comes with engineering. So I also work at a lab currently, which is kind of like a workshop lab. 
Um, and even my current internship, I do a lot of the building and, you know, the, the actually getting to, I guess, touch things and feel like you're making something kind of stuff. So I really started liking that idea of going maybe into, um, you know, mechatronics or something like that, because I really like the idea of like robots and all that. Um, that was until I saw a movie. Um, it was a documentary about the Higgs boson which I know very unrelated to this whole thing, but there they mentioned the multiverse theory. And as someone who grew up watching like Marvel, Star Trek movies, and you know, the whole craziness of all that, I loved the idea that that is something that, you know, has a potential reality behind it. So I started really researching that theory. Um, and then I guess the whole, I just kind of happened upon aerospace engineering and, and I didn't, technically happened upon like in particular aerospace engineering that wasn't even until I was applying to college in the U.S. because I thought you know let's get a degree in like mechanical engineering or mechatronics or something like that and then you know with that like degree I'm gonna go and work at one of the space companies because well I, I don't think I really have to explain why it's so cool to work on space stuff um and that like one day I was just applying to universities in the US and obviously as an international student, you don't really get to like, I never went to any of these schools. I never looked at what they were gonna look like. I never got to, you know, really like research it in that sense other than Googling stuff. And there I saw aerospace engineering on one of their websites. And I guess I was like immediately sold with that whole love for space and then like engineering and, you know, when, when they tell you that you can do the things at the same time that you just really, really love, it's it's pretty damn cool. So that's kind of the story of how I found aerospace engineering. It's honestly so inspirational that you transitioned from not liking science at all, but after you attended one workshop and um, you watched some Star Wars movies, you immediately got that interest and you followed your dreams ever since you were a kid. Yeah, so I guess it's I guess it it really shows this part of, of the whole women in STEM aspect that it's most often not the fact that girls or you know women wouldn't want to take those paths that even if you know I was lucky I cannot say that my parents ever told me that you know I couldn't be one of those things or that I shouldn't do them or you know if I wanted to play with like army toys and or like cars I could obviously do them. It's just more like a path like that is never really presented to you. So Hungary has the lowest numbers of females in STEM and engineering. So it's not like the environment for me was ever about, you know, taking that sort of path. So it, it's actually something that has become really important to me, as you mentioned in the intro. So I do a lot of work um, related to getting more girls and females into STEM because as I said, it's most often not the fact that they are not interested in it or that they wouldn't be amazing at it or that they can't do it. It's just that we never present them with these paths because most of their family members are unlikely, sadly, to be engineers on the female side. And even if the male side is, you know, when you go to school and you're like maybe 12 or 13, it's not popular to be into the boy stuff when you're a girl. So I used to play video games at that age. And I clearly to this day remember that, you know, that was kind of like a weird thing that was like looked upon a little bit like, why is she doing that? And I stopped doing that too. It's only now that I've started gaming again, because I obviously now know that it's not like a bad thing. And even at that point, it's not like I ever thought of it as a bad thing. It's more just that I, I kind of thought it, you know, that I wasn't meant to be doing it because that's what kind of society is telling you. So 
it's obviously something that needs to have a lot of work done about it. But the first step is definitely just showing the girls that they can obviously do it. Just like how I was shown that, you know, I can code something and it's actually an amazing feeling. So. Yeah. And it's also so inspiring that you uh, broke those stereotypes and you continue to do what you really uh, dreamt of. And speaking of which, since you spoke about uh, there being very less people and uh, very less women, in fact, in the STEM fields, how were there any challenges that you faced being a Hungarian and a woman in your field? So as I mentioned, it's not really a popular option in my country, um, which is very sad. And, you know, I'm, I'm never happy. Well, you know, a lot of people think that it's really nice for me to say that I'm the only one at BT, which is one of the biggest universities in the world. But in fact, you know, one day I would love to start an interview by being like, guess what? I'm no more the only one. I know like this person and she's there and she's doing it and she's amazing. Like, you know, I, I, I wish I wasn't so alone in my path. And, you know, I, I obviously it's nice to recognize that, you know, I'm doing something that is hopefully paving a path for future generations just by at least, you know, showing them that they are capable of something like this. But it's it's not nice. So yeah, there were a lot of challenges when I was about 15, 16. I told my math teacher in high school that I wanted to be, you know, I, I wanted to do this whole programming thing because it's so much fun. It's so great. And he looked me straight in the eye and just told me that, yeah, you're doing it because you want to, you know, marry Belle. Which, you know, at that age, it's you don't really know how to react at that age. It was definitely one of my like first interactions with such you know well not nice things to say to young girls and things you shouldn't be saying to young girls at all or ever to anyone because you know just because you're doing a career it is obviously unrelated to your personal life and I didn't want to do that because I wanted to be you know married um I was doing it because I loved it and so and there were a lot of instances like that like when I say it's not a popular option from Hungary to go to the U.S., I mean that when I like was telling people in my high school, they were pretty much laughing in my face that, yeah, sure, you're going to study in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we'll see about that. Um, and, you know, it's it's still sometimes things like that with little things that people say that we call microaggressions. Obviously, that's very common, sadly. Um, but there's also other challenges. So even by going to the U.S., obviously not everything is perfect there either. It's not like, you know, you go to a perfect world and everything is suddenly fixed. Um, there's still issues there. So with Zoom University, you obviously had the whole, um, you know, people talking over you, you having a really hard time to say something. So it's definitely something that isn't a choice to learn how to deal with. It's something that you have to you have to learn how to deal with. It's not something that, you know, if you're up for it, you should, or if you feel like you're brave enough to deal with that, just stand up to other people. As a female in STEM, it's not really an option because, well, I mean, I wish it was like, you know, I wish I could tell an introverted person that, yeah, it's going to be fine. You know, like you'll have your challenges, but you'll find your own ways of dealing with it because, if you're a female in STEM and you don't learn the ways to stand up for yourself and to advocate for others as well, which is something really important, or you don't learn how to, you know, even just react to these situations, because obviously it's not something that you just, you know, learn growing up. Like right now, of course, at this age and like with these many experiences, I would have known what to say to that teacher. But 
obviously I was a kid at that time. I did not know at all how to, how to, what to even say, you know, maybe I laughed because, you know, I just felt awkward and bad about it. But the fact that it has stuck with me for so long, obviously says a lot because it was, you know, even if you say things to other people, it might not be a big deal to you, but it can be something really formative for them, especially at that age. So it has definitely been challenging. Um, I definitely don't want to close on that note though. It's, it's definitely getting better. Um, I would definitely say so, or at least I'm finally, you know, finding people that are in the same um, sort of situation as I am, which I find to be one of the best things about being females in STEM is that like 90% of the time, the females you're going to meet in industry or in, in any of the, you know, research fields or any of that as a female, um, you know, they're going to be there to root for you. They cannot wait to talk to you about situations like this. They advocate for you. So when situations like this come up, it's not only you who's responding, but them stepping up for your rights of being recognized, of being respected, of, you know, not having um, you be questioned for the simple fact that you're a female. And so I would say that it's getting better. It definitely still will take a lot of work from a lot of people. Um, you know, especially with younger generations. But, you know, I, I do love the fact that now I can turn on TV and then I see at least a few TV ads that are not just about Barbies, but, you know, Barbies as astronauts and, you know, showing girls that they can be anything they dream to be just like boys. So. Right, I completely agree. And you know what, SD, now that you're uh, studying aerospace engineering, you proved all those high school bullies <laughs> wrong. Now that you're in US and you're studying and you're following your path, I think you finally accomplished yourself. There was no need to reply to those bullies back when you were younger. I think you proved them wrong and broke your boundaries now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it definitely feels great. Like, I can say that currently I'm home and, you know, uh, there's few funny instances because I do a lot of interviews and I do a lot of um, STEM communication and, you know, just representation in general. So it's something that I've kind of taken on as a side job. And at this point, actually, even as a paid job that I go and talk about, you know, all of these amazing things. And I'm obviously very blessed to be working with this too, because I'm, I'm very passionate about it. But there have been a few funny instances where I've had, you know, people from back when I was younger who would like reach out to me and they're like, hey, can you like help me? Or, hey, I'm like, you know, working with this university. Can you like come and give a talk to us? And it, there's definitely a few moments where I just kind of like smile to myself and I'm like, yeah, things have changed, haven't they? But, you know, it's still not good that I've had to experience any of these. And, you know, at the end of the day, none of the things I do are about obviously proving those people wrong. I you know, I, I just feel genuinely bad for them. And I, it's more about that I feel bad for future generations that they would have to experience that because I wasn't discouraged by these comments or even if I was, you know, it wasn't obviously for a longer time or it's not something that has, you know, taken me off this path. But if you just simply think about how many kids have been told these things and how many of them have probably given up on paths like this because of this, it's really, really disappointing and sad. And it just makes you question a lot of things because it's just so, you know, not okay to approach the world by thinking that, you know, just because of your gender, you're incapable of a job. And this also goes for, you know, male nurses or, you know, any of the fields that males are not represented. And it's just that 
we need to start showing people that they can do anything. And I, I believe it's our human responsibility to react when people tell us these things, you know, not saying things like, oh, you don't look like you're doing that thing. Or, you know, you, wow, like, you know, I'm so surprised, like you're full of surprises. No, it's, you know, even if it's a surprise, it's not, you know, a negative thing. It should be a positive thing for everyone. So I believe that it's, you know, it's up to all of us to start doing these things and not have to tell kids that, yeah, one day you can prove them wrong because they shouldn't have to. They can just, you know, do what makes them happy and prove it for themselves that, yeah, I wanted to do this thing and I did this thing. Right. In fact, no child or anyone in general should be told that you can't do something. That's why it's so important for more women or anyone in general, more diversity to be shown in STEM so that young kids can look up to them and know, oh, that this girl is in STEM, so I can do the same as well. So I think exactly. it's so important. And even advertisements, as you said before, that now they're showing Barbies that are part of um, going to space explorations and those advertisements. So I think that's a really great move and uh, more kids will be inspired to see this. So I know that you're really passionate about aerospace engineering. So what's the coolest thing that you've made as an aerospace engineer student? So I guess one of them is not something I made, but I'll, I'll talk about that as the second thing. So um, in the US mainly, we have these things called design teams at universities. Um, the design teams, it's kind of like applying what you're studying to real life, which is really, really cool because Obviously, with most STEM degrees, it's not, you know, you don't really have the time to build a rocket next to classes or something like that. So um, there's design teams where, you know, it's human made up teams and you mainly participate in um, different competitions. So I'm proud of Design Build Fly and Design Build Fly is AIAA's um, biggest competition in the world for building RC planes which is really cool because every year there's like different aspects to this huge challenge and you have to build an entire like RC plane, which sure isn't mainly like huge, but you know, it, it comes with a lot of the challenges and, and, you know, building it, designing it, building the CAD model, working out the electronics, you know, their sensors, flying the whole thing. It's, it's really, really exciting. Um, so that's probably the coolest thing I've ever made. Like, you know, like just, seeing tiny pieces of wood and like you're sanding them down every day and then one day that thing becomes an actual plane and you can fly it and you can see it fly it's it's an amazing feeling at least for me it definitely was um so that's one of the coolest things I've ever participated in building um as I mentioned I also work at a um um workshop kind of lab it's an engineering lab so there I do a lot of as I said, like the hands-on work. So from 3D printing to laser cutting to sawing things to gluing, you know, to like actually building things. So there I make a lot of things. Um, I'm, my favorite one is definitely the laser cutter. I'm kind of like the go-to at the lab with that tool. So I built a lot of things actually, like I make earrings with laser cutters that are like, you know, with a lot of things that I come up with. Um, I built a whole like buildable car set that's laser cut. So it's 2D and then you can pick out the little uh, wood pieces and they are all numbered. Then you can build this whole like car and caravan set that like kind of drags it. So that's also something really cool that I made. Um, and then the other thing that I said isn't really something technically that I made, but is the best thing that I've ever experienced related to Arrow. 
um, was when I got to walk into our wind turbine. So VT has a wind turbine that used to be NASA's old wind turbine, and we are the only ones in the world who have something like that. So I got to visit it, and it was definitely a moment of, you know, just, um, I don't know, experiencing your passion and, like, having a moment of, wow, I did this kind of feeling. Because, you know, I, I never in a million years would have imagined a few years ago that I would be, you know, in a place like that, knowing that one day I can work on something like that or, or research it or any of that sort of stuff. And it was definitely quite emotional, too, just thinking about, you know, how, as I said, although sadly I'm the only one, I am doing something that I've never seen anyone do. Um, so it's definitely a bit of a pressure there, but, you know, it's it's definitely amazing, too. So that's, I just wanted to kind of mention that it's not something I built, but it's definitely amazing to walk it, just walk into winter behind. I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to get over that. Yeah. All of these things that you mentioned sound so fascinating. I feel like I want to experience these things too. And um, like you said that when you're building stuff and seeing it come to life, that must be, that must feel so good. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely does. And as an aerospace engineer, what do uh, you usually work on? Like what products especially? So when you say aerospace engineering, I guess it's it's a very big misconception about our field that it's very narrow. Like I've had so many interview questions about people. That's kind of the point of the interview when I can usually tell when people like, you know, look at me and they're like, your field is very narrow that I'm like, yeah, you have not looked into my field for two minutes probably because even if you just google aerospace engineering you're going to realize that aerospace engineers do a lot so aerospace engineering obviously entitled the engineering of aeronautical and you know so devices like airplanes and gliders and you know helicopters and all that sort of stuff but it also entitles everything that's space so obviously rockets propulsion but also navigation devices and, you know, little rovers or, or, but then also on the navigation side, it includes everything that's, you know, makes up the GPS systems and makes up, you know, satellites and, you know, all that sort of stuff going on. And then a fun fact is that we actually have a lot of our classes in common with ocean engineers. So I have analyzed space structure, I mean, ship structures too. Um, which is something I guess you wouldn't really think of, but at the end of the day, it used the same sort of things. So one of the ways to like really explain what aerospace engineers do or can do at least is that they look at everything that moves through matter. So even if that's air or, you know, outer space or, or deep oceans, it's, it's all kind of, you know, somehow related, but even if you just think about these things, there are still like so, you know, like tiny parts in it. So there's even things like plasma science. There's things like obviously rockets, but then, you know, those have boosters. You have a multitude of different types of things that fly, you know, even just here on Earth. So you have atolls, which are, you know, anything that goes from ground up. So like flying taxis and making those things up. But then also, as I mentioned, gliders, big planes, small planes, you know, there's a lot of variety in that, different type of helicopters. Um, you know, I, I can probably go on for hours just by listing these things, but it's also, you know, when you break it down, as I said, to just small things. So looking at the structure analysis of those things, looking at fluid dynamics. Fluid dynamics is used pretty much everywhere in engineering field and even in not and non-engineering fields because analyzing flow, 
um, you know, and all that sort of stuff is very, very useful. And we use it in a lot of fields, but then also we learn about systems. So you can do systems engineering. There's just honestly so much you can do. You can probably even go down math path because as aerospace engineers, you have to study a lot of math. So we take one of the most amount of math classes out of any engineering majors. Uh, because obviously um, they don't just say it's rocket science because yes, it actually is, but it is quite complicated at the same time. I'm not saying it's like undoable, God, no, never. Um, you know, it's just kind of like you get there one day, like I did, and then you realize, so you really don't have to be a genius to do all of this, which I think is one of the moments a lot of people experience in STEM, which is obviously sadly really tied to um, imposter syndrome too, because you start doubting yourself because you feel like, you know, you're not enough or this or that, but hopefully you also have a moment where you're just kind of standing there where you've done something really great and you're like, I'm really not a genius, but you know, I worked hard. I, I, I work with other people because obviously engineering is a team sport at the end of the day. You're not going to get to engineering university education or even work life without other people that you work with. It is a team sport. Um, so, you know, it's just all the, those sort of things going on. So yeah, aerospace engineers can do a lot of stuff. Um, even just engineers in general. So I technically currently don't have like a strictly aero related internship. I'm doing more of a mechanical manufacturing kind of side, which is still a little related to aero, but you know, in, in general, I'm, I'm doing a lot of things that I wouldn't be doing if, you know, you just look at the general definition of an aerospace engineer, but I'm still very capable of doing these sort of things because once you know you know 3d design or you know some basics of coding like i've coded a lot there's so many different things you can do i can't even start listing them you know even if you just google them you're probably gonna sound find like 150,000 list lists of things you can be things you can do with that sort of skills because the main thing about getting a stem education is that when you end up at a job by the time you finish university you'll probably know especially with internship is that Yes, you've learned a lot, you know a lot, but you mainly just learn to learn and study and adapt because you're going to get to, you know, especially if we're talking about industry, you're going to get to a company and then you're going to relearn everything because they use specific softwares. They have their own systems. They have their own, you know, ways that projects go, ways that they are thinking, you know, they, they have so many applied like flow ideas. So there's things like, you know, lean and then you have scrum masters. There's like so many ideas out in the world. And at the end of the day, you're just going to get there and you're going to learn on the job, which sounds a little funny as an engineer or anyone in STEM, but obviously you're not going to learn there how to do like the basics of CAD. You did that in school or you're, you know, not going to write your like first hello world at your job probably. Um, but, you know, you, you just go with the basics and sure, you, you've learned a lot and you learn a lot in university, but at the end of the day, you just learn how to learn quickly, how to adapt to difficult situations. And the main thing is that you've learned how to solve problems. So anything that's STEM or engineering, especially engineering, at the end of the day is solving problems. So I go to my internship every day and that's kind of the same thing for other engineers too. And I'm currently working on solving a problem, you know, maybe it's creating a new product or, you know, maybe it's something that we just need at the factory because there's this issue or, you know, 
maybe we could, you know, improve productivity. So let's come up with something that does that. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of that. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, solving problems, there isn't just a single way to solve problems. So the best applicable way to explain this is with coding is that when you're writing a code, there's about a million ways you can do it. Um, because, you know, it's, you can approach problems and ideas in a billion different ways. So that actually pinpoints why it's so amazing to work with a diverse community, because I'll have very different ideas at work on solving problems as an aerospace engineer than someone that I'm working with who's maybe a mechanical engineer, because, you know, at the end of the day, we study kind of different things. And, you know, maybe I'm going to relate something that's error related or maybe like plane structure related, but they are going to, you know, come up with a specific idea that, you know, uh, different jigs can be made or something like that. So it's definitely really important to, to recognize that as an engineer, you can do everything. In fact, it, according to research, and this is one of my favorite facts about engineering, is that engineering degrees are the least regretted degrees because anyone who gets an engineering degree has worked so hard and they've learned to learn so much that even, you know, if they didn't end up working in even a STEM field, they go on to do and work at amazing jobs that they really like because they are really good at adapting, learning new things, solving problems. So. Right. And engineering as a whole is so vast and branched around so many fields. And frankly speaking, everything that we're using right now is built by engineers. Even the code inside computers is basically built by engineers. And like you said, diversity is so important. You can share ideas. And I think being your authentic self is the most important thing you can bring on the table. So you go, Esther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's really important because, you know, um, um, different people have different ideas and different ideas meet for better solutions. It's I don't think it's really a complicated idea to grasp or understand because if you think about it realistically, if you have the same type of people who think the same way, you're just going to come up with one solution that maybe could be done differently or could be improved or, you know, maybe there is just two ways to solve this problem and maybe you should apply both and see which one works better. Because it's not really about, you know, saying that one idea is better than the other. It's more just about, you know, a lot of the times it's more just about trying them and seeing which one works in this particular situation. So you definitely need to work and understand and let people be their authentic self, as you said. Um, you know, we, we need to be welcoming and we need to be happy that other people have other ideas. So I definitely like it this way. And as you said, engineering is crazy vast, especially go, if you go to kind of like a technical um, STEM-related university like I do. We have about, I don't even know, 15, 20 maybe different engineering majors. I can't even list all of them to you and you know they are different enough that we have different educations for them um which i think says quite a lot um but yeah at the end of the day engineers have the same basics so that also allows us to make for more diverse workspaces because as i said i work with people who are not aerospace engineers at all um especially that i'm doing my internship here in hungary or you can't even learn that. So obviously I don't really work with aerospace engineers here, but you know, it, it makes for great teams that you have different engineers, you have different people from different kinds of backgrounds. So we need to be happy about that. Yeah, I mean, everyone sees things differently and everyone has different views about um, a new experiment that you look into. Um, and also 
you mentioned that you did some internships in the past and are still doing some internships so what exactly was your educational journey were you always interested in aerospace engineering or did you do some internship in some other field at first so this is my first internship i should definitely mention that um being an international student in aero it's not an easy job it's not an impossible one but it's definitely not too easy because um most of the things and most of the jobs are regulated by ITAR or other legal that legalities that keep you from being able to work that job because as i like to easily explain this situation rockets are weapons and that's not really a complicated idea to understand so as a foreign national um i can't really apply for a lot of the jobs like i cannot work at nasa i can apply for an internship at nasa um because i'm not american so there have been a lot of you know figuring that sort of stuff out so i am doing my current internship with g power um I can't say a lot about it. Um I guess that comes from a lot of the confidential things like even when I was vaguely saying what I do it's mainly problem solving, designing things, making the drawings, coming up with solutions, doing measurements. I can like very vaguely talk about what I do on a day-to-day basis. Um but you know it's it's definitely hasn't been easy. I can't say it has been especially emotionally because a lot of the people in even companies where they do hire internationals from time to time it is not a common occasion but when they do um you know some recruiters will not be aware of that and a lot of the recruiters are um really bad at handling the whole situation of having international students come up to them um even some of the professors and you know a lot of the scientific communities sometimes well hope thankfully not the whole but you know a tiny part of the scientific community and the engineering community and all that is not the best about international students because you know everyone has their own thoughts at the end of the day in the world and you can't do much about that so a lot of the companies cannot hire internationals some of them can but then even oftentimes um you know people are misinformed and then they tell international students that they can't when they could um so it's definitely complicated I cannot say I have figured the whole thing out. I actually don't know a single international student who has figured the whole thing out. Um but it does make for a great community. So if you're an international student listening to this, um you should definitely follow Ricky Roy. She's an amazing. She is studying to be an aerospace engineer. Um she studies at Georgia Tech. She's doing her masters. I don't even know her personally, but she does amazing work especially online on talking about international students, especially in Aero and their internships and the things you can do with that. Um so I do have an internship right now as I said it's my well it's my first industry side of internship. So it's not really, really a big secret but I love science. So I do plan on, you know, continuing my education and not going straight into industry and working in industry um when I finish my bachelor's. So this is my first industry internship. Before that, I've done about three different researches. So my very last one was my entirely own project mainly centered around um solving um well complicated differential equations to fit it nicely solving a lot of math with a lot of software to um model blood flow and look at um you know different alterations in veins and things like that 
So that's actually a really fun fact about our space engineers. We study about flow and all Navier-Stokes and all that sort of stuff, which you can relate to biology with blood flow, which is very important in medical fields. So there's another um, interesting thing you can do as an aerospace engineer. Um, before that, I used to work on GPS and other types of navigation devices. That was my summer internship last summer. That was a research internship. And then before that, I kind of took like a research theme class, if that makes any sense. So that was aero themed. It was mainly focusing on how you can do research in aero and some of the research stuff within aero. So that's kind of all the research I've done. I mean, I've done research even before that. So as you mentioned, I am um, one of the youngest members of the New York Academy of Sciences and I'm a mentor, mentor there too. But before that, I used to be a mentee there. So I have won one of the um, Academy's competitions, which was a research competition. Um, and then I've done research for the first time, probably when I was around 17 or maybe even before that. So I've definitely always loved research and I have a lot of experience with research, which um, to answer your question has helped me decide or at least kind of narrow down what I would like to do within Arrow and like Arrow itself as well. I still can say that I have decided, um, which makes me a little nervous because it's becoming very close that I have to um, choose kind of like my focus within Arrow. But good thing, you know, it's not the end of the day if I choose something that I figure, you know, I'm, I'm going to like something else after that because then I can do my master's maybe on that different thing. So um, we should definitely mention that it's not a bad thing to realize that, you know, something that at a point made you happy, you know, there's a new thing that makes you happy, you should go do that thing. We don't choose careers for the end of our lives, especially in STEM, where what I study right now will be absolutely different, probably by the time I get to industry. That's mainly too about every STEM field that develops way too quickly for any education to follow that. And just in general, we all, especially our generations, will be taking a lot of jobs that don't even exist yet. So we shouldn't be worried about any of that. Um, you know, just do what makes you happy at the moment and follow the path that you feel like you should be doing and don't be afraid to change any of that. So yeah, I can say that I have um, technically chosen uh, what I wanna do. I'm really in between mainly design. So aerospace structure design, which is kind of like plane design, but also rockets and all that sort of stuff or space engineering. So. I don't think I really have to explain why either of them I found amazing. We have a lot of alumni who are astronauts, so I don't often have to explain why my field is amazing. Um, let's be honest about that. So it has definitely helped me. Um, I have done a multitude of things, as you can tell, even just by talking about my research fields. So there's, you know, multidisciplinarity uh, with my most recent one, which was math and biology and arrow and flow. So that's a mix. Before that, it was navigation and, you know, GPS and INS and sensors and all that sort of stuff. And then before that, it was, you know, just planes and woo, we like planes um, to, to put it a little funny, I guess. Um, and then right now I'm working, you know, um, with gas turbines, which, which is, you know, something new again. Um, I'm definitely one of those people that I just like to try everything if I can. And, you know, I can't say that there is any of them that I haven't enjoyed. I've learned so much from all of them. I've, you know, picked up things from each of them that I've used on the next one, um, which definitely makes choosing a lot harder, um, to be honest. But yeah, um, 
all of the things that you get to do within STEM will shape you in, you know, another way or form, even if you realize that you're, you know, at a company or an internship that you might like to do in the future, you're going to pick up a lot of useful skills. And, you know, at least you have something to cross up the really lengthy list, as I mentioned, that you don't want to do. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, I can't say that I have like yet, you know, really narrowed down what I want to do, but I'm trying all I can. And, you know, my internships and my research experience and all that have definitely helped me. Yeah, you have so many experiences. I can clearly see why you love this field so much. And I think with all these uh, things in your hat, you can definitely decide where to go because you have had so much experience. And uh, you also mentioned some great advice to people wanting to go into the STEM field. So is there anything else you would like to say about that? Um, I've probably mentioned most of the main ones. You know, the whole don't be afraid to choose a new career path even if it's something vastly different. So, you know, if you just get to a point, even if you have a well-built, you know, career, kind of like a path where you're doing something, if it doesn't make you happy anymore, or if there's something else that makes you more happy or excites you more, or, you know, makes you just want to get out of bed more in the morning, you should absolutely do that. And, you know, um, I guess the other advices are, are the other ones that I mentioned previously. So, you know, advocate for other women in STEM, um, you know, advocate for yourself, you know, stand up if you're in a situation like that. Um, don't be afraid to do things that you've never seen other people do. You know, if I would have waited to have a role model or to see someone who does even, you know, anything just like a tiny bit kind of like what I'm doing, then I wouldn't be here. Um, you know, I even have had all of these amazing opportunities and all of this amazing education and, and, you know, just in general, an amazing career that I'm so grateful for at such a young age. If I haven't had just, you know, thought to myself, you know, I'm going to do this. So I'm going to go and do it, you know, because even if you don't end up being able to do some of the things you set out to do, I often talk about this. I failed a lot of exams. Um, I talk very fluently in English right now. That wasn't always the case. I failed several language exams. Um, I failed at a lot of things in my life and I failed at, you know, about thousand, if not 10,000 more times at things that I have succeeded. I've never won a competition until, you know, it was a research competition and I was about like 18, 19. So, you know, you shouldn't be discouraged um, just because you feel like your failure. It's not just a thing that gets you closer to success, but your failure teaches you a lot more about you, your career, your future, and just even what, you know, life is, then your success our will. Um, there's a reason that, you know, obviously the day I was accepted to college, it was like the movies, you know, I was like running around the house holding my phone. It's not as glorified if you're an international student, you're on a website, you know, because your status has been changed. And, you know, I was like literally running to my mom and my dad being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And um, probably people thought the next day on the bus on my way to school that I was a lunatic because you could not stop me from smiling. I was just kind of looking straight ahead, smiling like an idiot. Um, you know, and I'll never forget that, but I'll never forget the experiences I've had after failing. And I don't mean, obviously, you're going to get sad. You're going to be discouraged. You're going to have days where you doubt yourself. And obviously, I'm not saying those are like amazing memories, but I like to think about what always happened after them, you know, like how 
I was never discouraged for a long time. How, you know, like after the longest time I've probably taken up being like disappointed on my side or like sat at myself for failure was maybe a day. And, you know, I've always, the things that I've done and the things that I've learned immediately after those experiences have always meant so much more and they've shaped me a lot more. Um, which obviously I'm not saying it's great. Um, if you fail all the time, it's not going to feel great, but it will definitely help you a lot more in the long run. Um, especially if you fail a lot when you're young. Um, I like to think that it helps you become, you know, a more well-formed adult and you understand things a lot more. So it's not about just, you know, not being afraid to fail. It's about learning how to learn from those situations. It's about realizing how you reacted, how you can do things differently or how you can do them the same because sometimes, you know, it's just up to luck. You were either lucky or you were unlucky. And, you know, you often have to recognize that. Um, you're just human, you're growing, you're trying and, you know, setting out to do better and to be a better person than you were yesterday is the only thing that matters. Um, so I think that's kind of like my biggest advice and all of that. Yeah, that's really some awesome advice. I would definitely keep that in mind. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for sharing your views and stream. And I'm so glad to know that there's one inspiration person that's representing women in STEM. And anyone watching this will have someone to look up to in aerospace engineering if they want to go in that field. I had such a great time interacting with you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was happy I got to be here. You know, I, I love talking about all of this. You can probably tell you've been looking at my crazy smiling face for almost an hour now. Um, I love talking about this. I talk a lot about this. It's really important. So if any of you listening are interested in more, I do run a blog um, where I talk about all of my advice. So, you know, if you want to see somebody doing something that, you know, maybe if it's not even for you, just somebody doing something that they've never seen anybody do and feel a lot as they do it, um, you should go and check it out. And yeah, thank you for having me. Of course, I definitely love having people that are very passionate about what they're doing and talk to my audience and me about uh, your field especially. So thank you so much. And to let all of you know, this podcast is now available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Radio Public. Make sure you subscribe to all listening platforms and stay tuned for more. Thank you so much, Estee. Yeah, thank you.